Hello. Hey, man. How's it going? Hey, Dave. Can you hear me okay? I can. Yeah. I'm just oh. uh, testing my mi microphone, just making sure that the levels are okay and stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if mine sounds shit, it's because I'm recording through this through my computer and I'm using my shitty mic on my laptop, so it won't sound bad in the podcast, okay? <laughs> no worries, <laughs> In case you're wondering. Cool. <laughs> How's life? It's 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 all right. It's going well. Um, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. last couple of weeks have been pretty good because I've kind of um, uh, I've um, come off social media quite a lot, That's and good idea. I have found that I have an incredible amount of time, energy, and just focus and just getting yeah. shit done, man. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just like it's really cool. <laughs> it, it takes up so much time doing it. You know, especially when you do music, you're kind of. You kind of have to do it now. It's like, oh man, like I'm anti-social as fuck. I don't want to be doing that stuff. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, I, I guess it's striking that balance where you can you kind of, you know, you can you can drop in sometimes and, um, uh, you know, uh, do your thing and then mm. come back out. And I think that's the important thing about it because it can get really, really addictive because uh, what I found with myself was, I was always looking for kind of like, has anyone commented on a video or has anyone, right. anyone or I posted a picture, has anyone looked at it's like what the hell does it matter? I know. <laughs> I'm doing my thing, I'm enjoying myself. So <laughs> Yeah, you can get you can get trapped in that though. That endorphin rush, because you're like, Oh, somebody likes me, man. Somebody you know <laughs> it's that kind of weird human yeah. thing, isn't it? We want to be loved. So, Absolutely, yeah, and I think yeah. it feeds into that, which is just yeah, it, it's it does not good, not good. <laughs> it was, it, it, you know, do you know what's weird? I think I don't know who I was saying it to. I was saying to somebody doing so many of these podcasts. I was saying to somebody, but we were talking about like fame, and I like I remember years ago, like I didn't know everything about David Bowie, for example, right. and like if he was around now, like I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to imagine David Bowie taking pictures of himself on cars and shit like that, you know, like that kind of. <laughs> I'm sure he did back in the day in the seventies, and we didn't see them, but you know, that kind of that we know. There's no mystery, like Led Zeppelin. I mean, I wasn't around, obviously, but I'm sure there was a mystery to Zeppelin. Oh, definitely, yeah, and I think that's a really important part of um, of uh, what we do, you know, as musicians and stuff as well. Mm. And one of the things that has actually gone from I think music and the whole industry and stuff is that mystery. Everything's mm. accessible all the time. You know, you and you know, it's it's nice to see people kind of posting clips of concerts and stuff on YouTube and whatever else, right? Yeah. But the whole thing about going to a concert was that whole buzz of actually waiting for it for months and months having that ticket. Yeah. And then actually turning up on the day, right? Yeah. Just seeing and then having that memory. You know, I have memories of like concerts from many, many, many moons ago, and um, they're just memories. And uh, do I want to kind of, you know, uh, see them repeated and repeated? I think it kind of takes away the um, the impact of it. Mm. You know, so everything becomes a little bit sanitized. You know, it, it's yeah. just a a part of like everyday background noise, eventually, which is a shame. Because, you know, that mystery is just incredible. You know, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome to have. blame my generation taking fucking videos of at concerts. I don't get that. I'm like, what are you doing? You're at the concert. No one watches a fucking concert back on the <laughs> shittiest quality. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible, man. And it's crap quality. I wouldn't mind if it's if it was great, but it's not. It's just Absolutely. Bad. Yeah. You know, I might. 
if if there's something I really want to capture, I'll, I'll capture like just a little bit of something, and that's yeah. it. That's my memory, and then my Same phone as. goes back in my pocket. Don't I'm not interested in kind of looking at the concert through my phone. Just not interested. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. be in the, in that moment experiencing the damn thing. You know. So. Yeah, I'm I'm checking out your guitars at the back. Are they all? Oh, ones yeah. you, are they all ones you made? Um, you know, I am literally, uh, I was thinking about this just a little while ago because I was listening to the uh, podcast you did with, um, with David, uh, our, David friend, our friend, our friend, David. Yeah. They, David actually, he lives literally two doors down from, from where I am. So he was telling me. My, my claim to flame fame is I'm, I'm two doors closer <laughs> to, um, to <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm literally surrounded by kind of guitars, which I've either modified or i've built mm. so wow. behind me um let's see uh that one i built wow. that one i modified um that that one's a stock one just pickups changed yeah that one i built that that was a present that was a it was a wedding gift actually from a friend of mine my wife doesn't have much use for it but okay i make plenty of good use of it That's and cool. literally right down here on the floor i've got a bunch of guitars here um my um oh uh, the eruption my frankie yeah um i built this one um, holy shit I got that's really cool. lucky with the body actually i found it on ebay um just i don't know why i was searching for it but um found this body and whoever did it like did like a super super accurate job yeah creating kind of just all holes all over the place and stuff love this guitar sounds so good so that one, then I've got, what else have I got near me? Um, I've got my N4, which oh, wow. I modified. Um, so I spiritualized it, um, uh. part of the spirit dance thing. So this is all carved out. It's actually um, recessed into the body. And um, the latest one um, I finished, which was about a week back, is my Phoenix Mona Lisa. Whoa, that is cool looking, man. This is a really nice guitar. My, my friend Stefan sent me the body and neck about two wow. and a half years ago. Um, Phoenix were built for a short time by a uh, Korean company. Um, I don't remember the name of the company. Um, Young Chang, I think the, the company name was. Okay. Um, but as far as I know, the, uh, the, the design was actually done in collaboration with Jerry Oswald. Um, who's the guy who did the Prince guitar, the squiggle guitar. I was thinking it looks like that Purple Rain kind of... Absolutely, yeah. It's got that vibe to it. And uh... um, Jerry is very good friends with my friend Stefan Huther, uh, Red Stuff Amplification. Um, okay. Stefan is one of my closest friends. You know, we message every day, you know, literally kind of um, thick as thieves, really. <laughs> and and this to me, just as a gift, uh, the body and the neck, Um uh, and uh, I'll tell you the story behind the build in a second. But um, he'd sent it just as a thank you because I was I, I do videos for him for his um, amps and um, gear and stuff. Mm. And this has literally been sitting in a box for like a couple of years. And I, I picked I, I needed to get it done. But I had this plan to actually um, do the red burst around it, which I really love. Uh... But it started life as a fixed bridge. So you might be able to see there, there are some. Holes for, uh, yeah, for yeah. String through fixed bridge, but I wanted to route out the um, the uh, cavity for the uh, uh, the tremolo bridge, so that's what kind of stopped me from doing it initially. But big believer in everything happens at the right time, so <laughs> you know um, I got it all done uh, uh, about a few months ago. I actually did that, but 
then because of weather and stuff, I try to lacquer it. And <laughs> you can't lacquer in um, uh, damp weather because the uh, the moisture just gets in the lacquer. Uh, basically ruined the finish, so I had to refinish the oh, whole thing. No. How long did that take you? <laughs> it took me a few weeks to do. Um, Shit, man. And, you know, then I had, had to basically just leave it in the house and it cured, the paint cured properly and stuff. Then when the weather basically improved a little bit, then I mm. went down there and relacquered it and it was fine. So, Savage, um, man. It's beautiful. Come out great. You know, it's a really nice guitar. But yeah, I'm a bit of a tinkerer and builder and stuff. So I kind of, you know, um, do stuff like this and yeah. you know, build, you know, pedals and did you get did you get into of the way of like you tried to fix a guitar first because we've all had those problems and then you were like oh i'm gonna build my own guitar was it just always something you did no it was um it actually started off at school when um i was uh doing my a levels back in the you know really really olden days showing my age now uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 90s <laughs> absolutely it was like late 80s 89 when i started my a levels okay and um my um one of my subjects that i took for a level was a uh, graphical communication technical drawing oh, and gosh. we were coming up for we had to do a major project which was actually 50 percent of our final mark so um i i'd started to get into guitars and music and stuff uh, around that time you know listen to i got into iron maiden and stuff like that and then george lynch came along and that was a huge influence on me and stuff so for my main project i decided that i was going to do um uh, uh i was going to design a guitar an ergonomic guitar and um, so the original plan was just to do a, a scale model just a small model of the guitar um and uh, i spoke to my um, tutor about it <clears throat> and he'd actually built a couple of guitars he was you know he had luthier skills so he said why don't you just build a full size model? Okay. As you do. Okay. Because <laughs> he said, I can help you do it. Oh, wow. I can tell you what to do. So he literally helped me build a uh, working guitar, which was my first guitar. And um, I don't have it in here, actually. Um, but um, it was actually, it was my second guitar. I had a, my, my dad had bought me a Telecaster, Japanese kind of copy Telecaster. Right. A company called Maya. So, um, you know, that you put that into context. It was kind of like, you know, I was into the, these guys from the eighties, you know, yeah. they had like super strats with like Floyd's and <laughs> humbuckers and stuff. Yeah. I'm kind of tinkering along on my telecaster thinking I have 21 frets and I don't have humbuckers. <laughs> I don't have a tremolo. Damn it. So when I built that guitar, it was full beans, you know, super strat and, um, stuff like that, put a Floyd on it and humbuckers and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, I used that for like 10 years, the fretboard oh. and the action were, were pretty crap, but you know, mm. it kind of gave me a good grounding in, in doing that. So, and then I just kept it up. I've always kind of just bought project guitars and stuff and wow. then done them up. So I think I've only ever bought like a couple of guitars, which, um, I haven't screwed with. <laughs> right. Right. Have you ever, have you ever like bought a, big thing of wood and carved it and out or anything like that yes yeah um oh, that... uh, i uh, one one of the things that i do is uh i have a company called spirit dance guitars which is uh, you know uh, what i build my guitars mm -hmm. the brand under which i build 
my um, my guitars and um, one of the guitars i built a few years ago for a client of mine was um uh called the sundance and i'll send you pictures of do, of that do. guitar and um in fact if you e even if you just go to spiritdanceguitars.com you'll actually see it there and it's basically kind of like the whole guitar the whole body was basically carved um in and the whole theme was uh, a sunrise so you have this central kind of like circle and then you just have these rays coming off it and it was super intricate and it's not just the top that i did did the the sides and the back as well and um when i do carving i'm i'm kind of i'm quite pernickety about it i won't go down a quarter quarter inch like anybody else <laughs> i go down like about three quarters of an inch <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it looks properly properly carved so right. yeah i've done all stuff and you know uh gone to that level i have a guy in canada who builds my bodies and necks he does an amazing job and then i basically just go to town with it and stuff so oh, wow, man. yeah that's impressive yeah. i mean if i did that i know i'd fuck up for sure it'd look like it just look terrible if i even tried anything like that my dad's good at woodwork and all that stuff but i'm kind of right. useless like i'm just like no not my well, feel. I love. I love. I admire it. Like, and, uh, but you know, I I I kind of do bits and pieces of like you know just taking out pickups and stuff like that. But that's quite easy right. soldering. Like it's not that yeah. hard to solder stuff. Actually, one of my guitars. I I've a Fender. Where it is? It's like a. It's a. It's over there. But it, it was. It was for years. It had this buzz, and no one could figure out what the buzz was. And I bought it some guy, and I had got <laughs> it. I had got it fixed. The day I had a, my album came out, I went to get a fix because the jack was loose. So my jacks always get loose. I must be ripping them out or something like that. And um, the guy fixed it. But the problem was he did something to the electronics when he fixed it. He soldered something to it. So it was. I kept getting this feedback loop until we figured out oh. what it was. So eventually Grand I got it fixed. It's like, it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a custom, I don't know what it is. It's, some, it's a guitar. It's a lovely, lovely awesome. guitar, but you know when you have that one guitar that you love, that you have that, that you get this sound off. I'm sure it's just in your head, but it's like that kind no, of, OC, you know. More than that. I honestly think it's more than that. You know, I've played around with guitars and I've built so many now. And, you know, any I know there's this kind of like divide between people saying, you know, tone wood doesn't matter. And some people say tone wood does matter. Right. And, you know, it's all, it's all in the pickups or it's all in the amps. So, you know what? It all makes a difference. A different piece of wood is going to resonate differently to, mm -hmm. you know, just a, a, even something which is very similar to it, you know? And one of the things that I do is I, I don't put a lot of lacquer or paint on the, my guitar builds because I want the wood to breathe. And mm. that's when you actually hear the difference m most of the time. When you have like just a, a regular guitar where it's got, you know, a really thick layer of paint on it and then a thick layer of lacquer because uh the company is basically selling it to somebody who's going to knock it around and they don't want the <laughs> you know people calling up like three days later saying hey the paint's falling off because kind of you know just like scraped past my you know my yeah. girlfriend or something <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, that's the reason they do it it's to protect it you know mm. but what it does is it creates essentially a plastic barrier between um the wood and uh the resonance because uh, when you okay. play the strings basically start to resonate at the top and the wood is protected from that there's a film over it especially in, you know most lacquers are um poly lacquer which is kind of this plastic coating which is horrible right I hate that stuff. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when you leave the wood actually just bare, it starts to absorb stuff because wood's organic. It has pores and it starts to actually suck up some of the frequencies and stuff. So, um, you know, acoustic guitars are a perfect example of how wood affects tone because, uh-huh. you know, the purity in them is that you have to have a really good top on it, a really good soundboard made of a specific type of wood mm. in order for it to resonate um, in a specific way. And the binding um, makes a difference inside and all sorts of stuff like that. So, And it's the same with electric guitars, you know, I find. Um, what's the, what's yeah, the best... Like, What's the best type of wood for an acoustic guitar? Um, wouldn't know. I, you know, uh, uh, my knowledge of acoustic guitars is so slim. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, uh, spruce is something that's used a lot. I, I've played a couple of cedar um, topped uh, acoustic guitars. I love the sound of cedar. Right. Um, spruce is fantastic because it's very pingy. It's very kind of like, you know very immediate and stuff. Cedar is a little bit kind of more rounded. It's kind of like the combination or, or the comparison between, let's say, ash and mahogany. Ash is very, very kind of direct. It's got a very assertive tone. Um, mahogany is slightly darker. It's slightly rounder. So, uh, yeah, that's how I kind of you know, compare okay. it to. Mahogany, I like, I like dark sounds, I think. I like kind of, I think, you know, as you get older, you kind of change. Like I, I change the way I mix music now. I kind of go more, I like more kind of bottom heavy stuff. Whereas even if you listen to a lot of mixes from the early 2000s, they have that, they're, they don't have much bottom end on them now. And I think a lot more mixes have much more bottom end. And I think I like the kind of sound out of guitars that kind of more deep as opposed right. to high past everything and, you know, the shrilly top yeah. shit, you know. But yeah, back absolutely. to But back to like guitars... I think if you put Jimi Hendrix on the shittiest guitar ever, he's going to make it sound great. You know, oh, the, absolutely. The player at the end of the day is probably the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and it's that just comes down to uh, your connection with the instrument. You know, um, I'm not going to say skill because <laughs> you know a lot of people just liken it to you have to be the best guitar player on the planet to make it sound good. You don't. There's there's that awesome clip from. Um, uh that that movie which uh jack um jack white um jimmy page and i was watching that uh, the other day i was watching that the other day actually where he basically just takes a a piece of wood right (laughs) sticks a pickup on there right puts one string on it and it sounds amazing yeah you know he's He's not a technically brilliant player like, let's say, Steve Vai or Joe Satriani or somebody, mm. but it's the vibe that he gets with it, you know. And that's basically just a piece of junk wood with a, you know, <laughs> string wrapped around a, a nail. Yeah. And so it's, I think it's, it's very much got to do with the player and just how innovative they are with it, and you know what they can kind of coax out of it. And gears like that, you don't necessarily need the most expensive equipment. Yeah, you know it's nice to have. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, it makes your job easier. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it what it does is it's kind of like um, it's refinement at the end of the day. You know, yeah. and um, it, you you get a refined tone. Can you get a really great sound out of a cheap Marshall as opposed to a nineteen sixty nine Super Lead? You know, which is going to cost you five, six, seven grand. Which you know, if it's all original. Um, yeah, you're going to get a better tone out of the Plexi because you mm. know, it's, well, 
if it's the right plexi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the amp it is. Um, but you're still going to be able to get a good sound out of the uh, the modern day Marshall as well. Mm. As long as you know how to dial it in right and, you know, uh, hook it up to the right speakers and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. What's your take on those um, Toman guitars that they make, Harley Benton? Oh, I have one actually. I have a, um, a PRS style and a oh, semi hollow. Right. I have two of them. Um, I've, uh, I've, uh, they're really good. They, I think they're, um, I think they're really good as well. Yeah, I think they're really good. Yeah, well. they're built good. really beautifully. They kind of like play well. They sound great. You know? Yeah, and it's it's one of the things that has actually kind of like opened up the whole market to so many people. I think over the last probably twenty years. You know, I remember when the first LTD guitars came out by um, ESP. Right. And I bought an uh, an LTD uh, M two hundred or M one hundred or something, and it was, you know, it's not comparable to the the ones now, but it, yeah. it was a pretty basic guitar. But you know, it was kind of that actually started this whole spurt of like these budget guitars, and obviously Squire and Epiphone were doing it long before that. Mm. But it actually started. Uh, that whole thing expanding and there are so many awesome guitars out there my lp up there um down here that's actually an ec256 which i bought oh. for 200 yeah 200 pounds from tommen wow yeah do you modify it, obviously I, I all i did was uh change the pickups and the um, tuners just put locking tuners on it right right yeah because the tuners on those tommen guitars are not the greatest they're they're, they're not right. amazing that's the one fault i probably would say with them yeah, yeah, and you know the uh, changing those out um, for a good set of tuners is like you know it's going to cost you another twenty odd pounds or something you know yeah which is doable and then if you think about it, the comparison uh, if you bought let's say a PRS SE or a PRS a full PRS you know it's going to cost you two three four five ten times as yeah. much as the guitar yeah so. i remember getting when i was a kid when i first got because my first guitar was a piece of shit for sure it was just like right. a piece of shit 80 quid guitar that right. the, what you can get for 80 quid now is way better than when i was oh, 15 would you get for 80 quid like they sound oh, horrendous yeah 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 like, back in the day those like you know woolworth's guitars were kind of like they, they probably were kind of you know they should have stayed in woolworth's basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they went out of business <laughs> <laughs> it was a crap guitar. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna look back. And go, oh my god! It was the guitars, lads. What did we do? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what age did you start playing guitar at? Uh, I started at sixteen. Um, oh, so, so we're kind of same age. I was fifteen. Oh, very cool. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, it's, you're yeah, you're a much better guitarist than I am, though. So you obviously you obviously you obviously spent more hours than I did. I I was too lazy, you know. I was like I would learn a Jimi Hendrix song and then I'd start doing my own version of Jimi Hendrix and then I'd write a song. So it was, I was like, but that's really cool and that's a great skill to have. So you know, um, some of my technical skills might be better than yours, but hey, you know, right. you write really good songs, and it, that is so so important. It's it's an aspect which I you know which a lot of guitar players um, can miss. You know, if they're right. not careful about it, they can very much miss that whole thing about creating an atmosphere and a vibe mm. rather than just, you know, noodling all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the 80s, it was so easy to kind of just, um, you know, <laughs> just disappear down that rabbit hole of 
um, shredding. Yeah. Know? And still like that. It's, the whole shredding atmosphere is kind yeah. of, yeah, who can play the quickest? And yeah. <laughs> you get to a point where it's like, you know what? It's, it's actually, it's not as important as you might think because uh, maybe you want to keep the shredding as the cherry on the icing rather than the actual cake itself. I because, totally you know agree. If you take a big bite out of a cake, which is made of just icing and cherries, you're going to be yeah. feeling pretty sick very, very soon. You want to mainly be sponge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. It's like, it's like uh, I always see in music, like I like aspects of avant-garde music, but if I'm listening to a seven minute piece of avant-garde music, I'm going to get bored of it. Whereas if it's, if it's, right. if it's in sections in it, like we'd say a song or something like that, that's more interesting to me than doing some sort of bold violin part for 10 minutes. And I'm just like, okay, come on, you know, after a few minutes. Right. Right. Absolutely. And there's, I guess there's a place for it. And mm. if it's done well, it's really interesting. And I think it's, mm. um, it's got to have movements in it. Kind yeah. of um, similar to how like classical music, it, it can be a, a thirteen-minute piece, but it has different movements. So the again, the atmosphere changes. You know, it's kind of um, one, one of the things that um, influenced me a lot in, in my writing and my playing was um, soundtrack music. All you right, know, uh, that was what actually got me into music in the first place. And there were two soundtracks. I was actually, funnily enough, I was talking to somebody. Um, about that yesterday, day before, whenever it was, but uh, soundtracks were um, how I actually got into uh, music in the first place. And there were two albums. Uh, there was Top Gun, and there was Miami Vice. <laughs> wow, some badass <laughs> shit there. They, you know, they were awesome songs on it. They were just, you know, um, fantastic vibes. And the thing about a soundtrack is it has to basically um, convey a, a feeling. An mm -hmm. atmosphere so um that's the main thing which i picked up from actually listening to that type of music because when i write music now whatever i do it has to convey a an atmosphere or a feeling yeah that's yeah. the main thing right if it doesn't mm -hmm. then um i you know i'll often come up with a riff and it just doesn't do anything for me you know and i'll kind of keep it in my head but then i'll actually work it into something where when somebody listens to it, it takes them on that journey. Yeah. And if I do an extended piece, and I have done in the past, I, I worked on a, a a progressive rock album with um, with somebody, I think back in 2014 or 2013, whenever it was. Um, and you know, he was th this guy was a keyboard player, and he was sending me these backing tracks, which were like you know seven, eight, nine minutes long. And I used to do the same thing, just split it up in sections and go through different moods and different movements within yeah. it and, and stuff and just keep it interesting, you know. Sometimes it got a bit boring because of like, you know, <laughs> you get to the end of the song, it's like, <laughs> this song should be like six minutes long. <laughs> the last three minutes, damn it. <laughs> do I don't want to play another solo. <laughs> Well, you know, it's like it's like that thing you could play, you could play an A one day and it sounds shit, and you could play an A the next day and you can go somewhere with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's going back to that um, uh, that talk you had with um, with David. Uh, a lot of it resonated with me because it oh, is cool. about just being in the flow and um, letting go and allowing it to happen. You know. Um, <clears throat> 
it was interesting listening to both of you uh, just talking about how you know some days it's on some days mm. it doesn't work for me it's like it's constantly on and oh, it's good man. I can pick up like an <laughs> instrument at any point yeah and basically kind of create something right um, and it hasn't always been like that uh there uh, was a time uh probably about let's see what which year are we in we we're in 2021 right so i'd say probably <laughs> up until about 10 years ago right where writing music was was kind of dependent on how i was feeling mood etc etc right the thing that actually helped me to um just get into the flow was actually doing that um uh progressive rock album oh. because um i basically spent three months just writing recording three days a week to okay. get the album done yeah and um i wasn't thinking about um what i was writing uh i wasn't uh giving myself any kind of like you know time limits on it or um or any kind of kind of boundaries it was kind of like i need to get this done so i'm not going to have any fear around it i'm just going to do it i'm just gonna yeah. and what happened was uh i i essentially just let go of any uh, um, attachment to trying to write it okay so i just let the stuff sit in my head you know and ideas would just come up and they just keep coming up and i find that even now you know i'll be kind of like um waiting for a student to to do a guitar lesson right. and i'll come up with something you know a lot of my songs actually start off life like that because i'm not really thinking about it i'm basically just in that moment just playing and then something cool comes up and then i'm like damn it got to go grab the camera on my cell phone or something <laughs> you record a little clip so i don't forget the damn thing yeah so um sometimes i do that other times i'll just kind of like you know i'll just uh plant a seed of an idea in my mind mm. and i know it's going to uh, grow into something mm. and then it's then my job is basically just to give it life so then i'll pick up the guitar and figure it out right yeah it's always like that that thing like it's weird how music works i'm, sh I'm sure it's kind of similar to you. you could get like i always write music first i rarely write lyrics first the odd time right. i have but sometimes a lyric can it can uh take you somewhere that you know playing a chord or a, a, a riff wouldn't you, you get a the DNA of an right. idea from the lyric and it can it can change everything like sometimes I get a lyric stuck in my head and I can't get it out from the song so I'm like yeah. and the melody might be a bit shit so I have to change it around to make you know there's that kind of way of doing things it's always like a, it's never uh, one thing it's many things I explained that horrendously bad but I'm sure you get what I mean <laughs> I, I do yeah and it, it again it just comes down to having that seed you're mm, planting that that's seed. it that's it exactly and you know it, it reminds me of when I, I wrote a song for my album's uh, circle of fire um and uh, the song is called when angels cry right. and the the thing that actually got me writing that whole song um was uh just a line in the movie um blade runner right at the end um uh, the uh, replicant says um, you know, it's it's lost like a teardrop in the rain. Yeah, and that I, I use that line in, in actually in the song, um, but that basically, 
you know, set the theme for it and uh, and the mood for it and everything right. like that. And, um, I actually sang that song as well. It was one of the rare times when I've actually kind of, you know, braved my, my voice onto cool, eh? <laughs> digital tape. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Do you, do you find, I don't know, is it similar to you? Like, I, music I listen to, I don't really make. Uh, like, I, I listen to, like, copious amounts of jazz music but I don't really like I've written jazz music but I I don't write I mean one day I'll probably write a proper jazz record but but I kind of I find that some things that you necessarily don't do yourself can inform the way you do things within your own music I don't know if it's the same for you yeah yeah I must admit I I was having this um, conversation with Hayes just a few weeks ago right and we were both saying you know we don't listen to music most of the time because We're surrounded by making music all the time. Uh-huh, yes. So during the time off, sometimes, you know, I just want to turn everything off. My <laughs> wife's radio on and stuff, and I'm kind of like, you know, trying to just blank it out, to be perfectly honest, you know. But that um, it, it does work in a different aspect for me. So mm-hmm. I am I might watch a movie. I might see a, a painting. Yeah, I'm the same. Picture, I'm the same. same. Something. And that will influence it, which is very, very similar to, um, you know, a piece of music inspiring you to write uh, write a certain type of track or something like that, or hearing a certain sound and it, it yeah. inspiring your thought process in, yeah. in that. So yeah, it certainly works the same way. It's so true. Like sometimes it's like you could just look up at a cloud. I know that sounds a bit spacey, but like I like looking at the sea and looking at the clouds and stuff like that because there's something yeah. infinite in that, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Definitely. Yeah. And it's kind of, um, I think the, the reason it actually happens like that is because you're not focusing on trying to write something. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, I, I, I think I've gotten to a point well, some years ago, actually, where when I heard a song which had been written, I could tell, right. whereas it just been created, you know, just from inspiration, you know, just a different vibe comes across. There's this organic nature to it. Yeah. You know? Whereas when somebody sits down and they think, all right, you know what? I'm going to write an 80s type hit. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's basically kind of, you know, you can hear how the thought process has gone into it rather than, you know, just coming from here, mm. you know, from, from your heart and just letting go. And, that's when when you actually look out into the expanse and when you're looking up at the sky and stuff you know that's what you're doing you're basically releasing your mind from that thought process of trying to write something and that's when the ideas just start to flow in well it's like a lot of modern music like you were saying you can you can tell there's like a committee there going right we need this type of sound and a trap hi-hat and like everything's homogenized i'm not saying every time but i'm talking about We'll say commercial music more than anything, like commercial, we'll yeah. say, and not not knocking Justin Bieber or any of those lads. But I mean, there's a certain homogenization of what they do. And I mean, it's easy to shit on them. But for example, I think Billie Eilish, I think she's doing something interesting. I really like what she's doing. If yeah. if you listen to her stems, you can, the, the, the vocal stems are, are incredible. Because she's doing like yep. just loads of layers and this kind of minimalist music. Like it's really simple music. But yep. like we are going back to earlier, she has her own sound within her limitations of what she does. She's created something that is original, which is as good as someone who could like 
play some crazy uh, Rachmaninoff piece. You know, it's 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 that same. I'm not saying it's as good. Maybe that's not. I shouldn't say that. But it's it's uh, you know it's its own thing. It's its own entity, and I think that's always a good thing. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, the shift over took place, um, I think, many years ago when the the music business became the music business. <laughs> you know, wherever business is basically involved, it's it's about making money, not necessarily just about the creative aspect. Um, I worked for an entertainment company um, my, uh, in a previous incarnation of myself as right. um, an in-house lawyer. So, um, right. I wow. That became a full-time musician. Coolest lawyer and, ever. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, you know, when I was inside the industry, seeing how it worked, you know, it was it was all about making money. They were kind of signing these, and the, at the time, you know, uh, EastEnders were big, and these these you know, people who were on EastEnders were being signed to do videos and workout videos and stuff. And I used to look at these things, and I'd be like, you know, just be like, I've spent like twenty years freaking or however many years it was at the time you know, mm. learning guitar and stuff i can write music damn it why are these people famous yeah. and it, it, because they were personalities they could make money the 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 company could make money from it yeah and uh, you know wherever um commerce drives something there is that need to actually make money from it, it mm. so whatever's gonna actually uh, appeal to the masses that's what's gonna be um what's pushed by the record companies that's what they're going to put their marketing budgets behind yeah you know sad so. i i was reading a, i read an incredible book about it about called sonic boom is the rise and fall of warner warner brothers records um oh. a guy i know called peter ames carlin he wrote it actually had him on the podcast twice but he's the next one that's coming out he's on it about that book <laughs> and it's just amazing the way warner they're when they start well not when they started but when they kind of in the 60s with Mo Austin their whole ethos is if something's good we'll put loads of money behind it and give it a chance and if it fails yep. it fails and we'll try again you know they kept they yes. get, like it was unbelievable like because of they believed in the music their whole ethos was just, if it's good music something will come of it and then yes. in the 90s when it got you know we'll say more corporatized now it's like you don't have a hit you're gone you know, like how many bands yeah. would have been dropped from record labels? Like so many. Like it's insane. Yeah. You know. But, you know, by by that thinking, um, I've got a bunch of CDs on my my desk right now. <laughs> I can find the right one. Van they Halen. wouldn't have been signed. Yeah. Um, if yeah. It was back in the day, right? Because not because they weren't popular. Right. Van Halen's fantastic. You know that anyway. Right. But the night that um Ted, Ted Templeman went to see the band, mm. right? There were three people in the building. Right? Ted Templeman plus the guy he came along with after being somewhere else drinking, right? <laughs> and um one other guy. So a record company in this day and age walking into a setting like that would basically look at the crowd, which was non-existent uh, on that day because it was raining and it was Los Angeles. And whenever there's even like a drop of rain in Los Angeles, it shuts down, right? Mm. Just mm. Used to it. 
So people weren't going out that evening. So they would have looked at the crowd and said, there's nobody here. No, nobody likes this band. It's great music, but you know, no, nobody's going to buy it because there's nobody here. See, end of story. See you later. Yeah. Imagine. They actually heard the music. It was like, yeah, these guys are worth investing in. And, you know, uh, I think it's industry wide now, you know, even musical gear companies, they, they don't necessarily invest in artists, you know, um, that it, it's more about kind of what can you bring me? Mm. How many social media people oh. are you going to bring me? What followers are you going to bring me for it, the endorsement that I'm going to give you? It's so TV? true. What are you going to do for it? You know? Um, so it's more about kind of just um, using them as a driving force for making more sales. So even that's become an industry now. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I was thinking about it the other day, actually. You know, when you watch videos on YouTube, production videos, anything like that, they're all like, every bit of gear they talk about it's the same gear you're like and they all know each other you're like this is just kind of like, yeah. you could see through yeah, yeah. it a mile away definitely yeah there are only a very very few companies that um i do gear demos for now and i think that whole market's been it's it's kind of become a bit saturated but it's also become um very very just advertising you know, mm. it's just mm. you know that when a product is released there's going to be that you know those 10 or 15 20 people who are always doing the demos off gear who are incredible guitar players musicians they're going to make things sound fantastic most of the time yeah sometimes <laughs> they make things sound like <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah most of the time it sounds really good but and it's going to lead to sales because what's going to happen is they have a massive following. So they get 60, 70, 100, 150,000 views. And people are like, I need this in my life. You know, yeah. percentage are going to say that and they're going to go out and buy it, you know? So um, that's essentially how it works, you know? Yeah. And just, I guess it's part of the, the new marketing Thing, yeah, know, the social media marketing thing. Yeah, but it is. I, I think it it has gotten to a point where people recognise that it, it's just advertising. These people are being paid for it. You know, they're getting the free gear for it, and they're going to say nice things about it. Yeah, yeah. You you see all these videos of like you know this uh, put it against the Neumann eighty seven mic, this ten euro mic. You're like, come on, man. Like it doesn't sound as good. Like it sounds decent. Right. I'm not not. I have cheap mics. I have dear mics. You know, but. Yeah. certain things like we were going back to earlier they'll get your job done quicker if you've like the three grand guitar compared to a hundred grand guitar you're just going to get there hundred grand sorry jeez three grand compared to a hundred euro jeez hundred grand guitar that'd be cool but uh, you know it, it makes your job easier you know you don't have to mix as much it just it, the tone is already there you're not fiddling around to get something that's what I find with cheaper guitars you can get a great sound but you have to fiddle more with like pedals and tone and EQ and all this kind of stuff right right Right. And that's, that's where the value goes, basically, you mm. know, in, especially with boutique stuff. And, you know, um, I have literally yesterday, um, I finished building, um, uh, 69 small box plexi wow, uh, from scratch, cool, from scratch. It basically turned up as bits and I'm very proud of myself for doing that. Um, Shit, man. and you know, the, just the amount of time it took, and I, I've filmed the whole thing. It'll be on my YouTube oh, channel. Oh, brilliant! At some point. Link me up with that. Um, definitely, I'll send send that to you when when, when it's out. Um, but the amount of hours it took to actually build that, and I wanted to build it 
properly like you know when you looked inside it it was a work of art right and getting it to that stage where it, you know um it looks so pristine inside just takes lots of man hours mm. you know and lots of precision and lots of thought process and stuff um the result speaks for, for itself as well because it's incredibly quiet now you know it's like i have this amp which you know if i went out and bought a small box from let's say Friedman or some someone like that, it's a couple of grand, right? If I try and find a 1969 50 watt or 100 watt Plexi, yeah, I think I'd have to sell my car. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. And you know, I have one now, and but it took a long time to build, and yeah. there's something to that. So you know, the higher end gear does cost that much because there's somebody actually there doing it and i know this from my friend stefan from red stuff and also i work with um bryce boyd at epic amplification as well um and i know what these guys do how much time they actually spend creating a piece of gear and that's the type of stuff i like doing you know yeah. uh, because it's it's very unique i know it's hand-built I know it's very boutique. It's probably boutique in the proper sense of the word boutique because yeah. it, you know, small numbers and it's one guy in a workshop doing their thing. You know? Yeah. So and it's fun. Yeah. It's a unique piece of. Well, I, <laughs> and you know, if you're doing it yourself, you, you know, you're not going to put some. You're you you're not going to sell something that you don't feel is perfect to sell whereas things can slip through the the cracks if it's mass produced you know there's always like dodgy kind of things no mass produced stuff they're not going oh geez the tone isn't right they're like well, whatever sell that thing whereas you know you're 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 taking love and care into 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 something that you love and i think it shows when people get it because it sounds amazing yes yeah definitely yeah there's that extra amount of detail that that goes into it even when i build guitars for for people you know when, when they ask me what the lead time is i always say it's, it's probably going to be about six to eight months wow and they don't necessarily understand why but yeah. it's because uh, i don't rush it because i know the process takes time and i don't want to just knock a guitar out within like a few weeks which is going to be meh yeah <laughs> you know when it goes yeah. out it's got to be the pe person's got to open up the case and they they they've got to be like holy crap yeah wow. I, I'm, I'm stunned that's the reaction they they need to have every single time they open up you know they pick up one of my guitars that's cool and that's what i aim for so you know there's that fine detail which goes into it yeah man. and it makes it special it makes it unique you know yeah. they look they look great man i've only seen them like that looks incredible dude like seriously it's fucking well done to you i see you're a fellow sitar player not that i call myself a sitar player yeah. but i have a sitar uh, i play a little bit i have done um uh, I I've only played it on a couple of things, and right. the sitar actually belongs to my wife. She used to play many, many, many years ago. She doesn't anymore, oh, wow. but um, she, she used to play. So she had the sitar, and um, then, in fact, when I was doing the uh, the progressive album, the um, the Inner Road album, um, there was one song where uh, I wanted to start it on sitar. I just had this kind of again, you know, I let the idea brew in my head, and I could just hear it at the beginning of a track, and it was like. You know what? I need to do this because I was kind of like with the track, I was going down the Steve Vai kind of theme mm. a little bit. 
So I thought Steve uses the zitar, right? Which is the electric thing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I should try and get a sitar on there. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So I did it on there. And then last year did a collaboration with a bunch of people, you know, just for lockdown and stuff. Right. And played it a little bit on that as well, which was fun. They sound so good. They oh, sound man. So they sound so good. Awesome. The worst thing ever is breaking a string on one. It's like, oh, my oh, God. God yeah. <laughs> which I have which I have done. And it's sitting over there for a while. I have to get a, string, get a load of strings for it. So it's like, oh, God, man. I love I love Indian music. I'm a big Ravi Shankar fan. And I just love... Oh, cool. It's just, even his daughter. It was two daughters, like Nora Jones. Oh, yeah. Anushka's like just incredible i've got a stack of cds by she's amazing she is amazing yes. that song she did a great totally. song with with nora her sister well half sister oh what right. is it what is it song? i'll hook you up with it later i'm so bad with yeah. it's a great song it's from this one album she did it's a beautiful song uh, it's in my head. anyways yeah yeah i i just love the rhythm patterns in indian music you know it's just yes. it's a completely different way of writing than western music it is yeah and i've delved into it i, I um i did a series of few years ago called masala guitar oh, wow. where i was basically te- because I'm, I'm influenced by that music simply mm. through not not through listening to it uh, over the years um I, I got into listening to anushka and um, ravi shankar and people like that from probably the early 2000s but um you know growing up you know i'm indian heritage so i kind of grew up around um uh, indian music being played in the house bollywood like um movies and stuff which mm. are basically musicals with tons of like you know indian music in it yeah and then when i got into uh rock music you know initially iron maiden and stuff yeah they weren't using too many of those things no. but, <laughs> tablets <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, but then when i got into george lynch and warren d martini and guys like that i was starting to hear those sounds just a little bit yeah you know, when you listen to the solo for um uh is it lay it down or you're in love uh, you're in love actually um the solo for that by rat you know there's a little bit of like the melodic minor which creeps in there right and um you know george on um uh the second lynch mob album and also sacred groove uh more so you know i started to hear those tones yeah and it was like wow that that I know, I recognize that. I recognize that from the stuff I've been listening to. So that influenced me um, quite a lot. And I basically brought it into my music. Mm. So a few years ago, I did this um, series uh, called Masala Guitar, where I was teaching like, you know, Indian inspired like licks and tricks and stuff like that. But it, it wasn't very popular. So I kind of stopped doing it after a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved doing it. And, um, you know, my, my friend Nick uh, Layton and I, uh, we, we've just put out a, a guitar lesson pack literally uh, uh, about a week back, uh, which was uh, which is called Rising Dragon, where um, I got to do a bunch of licks in that style. You know, we just basically took all exotic scales uh-huh. and um, themes and stuff like that, inspired by like um, Ravi Shankar, Anushka uh, Shankar, um, Marty Friedman, Ingvar Malmsteen, guys like that. Oh, cool. And we created a, a, a guitar lesson pack, which was oh, actually... Wow. Um, all exotic stuff that's just awesome that's yeah, savage so man. that's a big part do you, do, yeah. you, do you ever make any iors from your guitars uh, any what any iors a convolution reverb oh um i you know i i haven't actually i would love to make um uh, a couple for for my favorite cabs yeah um, because be great um i actually have like my 
my 412 cab, which is in the other room over there, which I'll, I'll give you a quick peek of that room because Sweet. the studio here is kind of... Oh, around whoa, like that. look at all these guitars, man. Badass. Like that. It's a bit messy. And then I have a second room there. Oh, savage. And it's basically a... a, a it, it was I designed it for vocals mainly, but also my guitar cabs live in there, and um, I have my um my four twelve my Gensbens four twelve which I bought years ago, um, for I think it, this cab cost me like uh, it was basically uh, old stock which um, a GAK in Brighton was getting rid of, right. and they bought off all this stock and the cab cost me a hundred and fifty quid, wow, right? and it's the it's one of the best cabs I've ever, <laughs> ever played through. It's just ridiculously good. I'd love to create an impulse response of that, but mm. more so um, last year, late last year, like December, um, I uh, managed to buy a couple of 1978 Celestian G1280 speakers oh, on eBay. And they sound absolutely fantastic, and some impulse responses of those would be freaking awesome yeah <laughs> but i haven't done it yet <laughs> yeah i would love to do it <laughs> well well before i let you go uh, let me uh, tell me about your pedals that you're built i didn't get talked about your pedals oh, sure, you're building. Yeah, I'm, I'm a yeah. pedal fanatic yeah pedals they started off with this one it was a kit by um, mm -hmm. a company called music ding in um in germany and it's basically a tube screamer uh ah. circuit so um, that's where it all started. And, you know, the electronics thing has always been kind of something I've loved doing. Um, but a few years ago, uh, something, something pretty cool happened. One of my friends who lives in Saltine down here, he, um, uh, he chanced upon a, uh, a 1981, uh, Ibanez, uh, TS-808, an original tube screamer Whoa. from back in the day. Oh, lovely. Right. He had accidentally bought it from a mutual friend of ours for 40 quid oh man he, he did return it to him because he realized <laughs> how much it was an honest guy you know chris plays because we we both know the guy who owns it so you know um uh, the first thing chris did was like he, he called me and he said what do you know about um uh the ibanez tube screamer and i said well everyone has one the old ones are really expensive etc yeah. etc et uh you know um said uh, what do you know about the the vintage ones from back in the 80s and i said they're they're super expensive they're like you're talking about like 700 to 1200 quid for one of those he said um i've just bought one for like 40 quid <laughs> basically the guy had sold it to him by mistake he has this little store uh, which is a uh, this um this knickknack store of musical bits and pieces ah, okay just down the road from us so he brought it around so i, I my first question was can I try it? So he brought it around and you know, this, this one I thought sounded good. I, I built it from a kit and I put, um, you know, a JRC 4558 chip in there, mm. Japanese one, which a friend of mine had brought over from Japan many years ago and given me. So I always thought this sounded great. Nah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Plugged this uh, pedal in, right. And it was just like, my God, this is like, ridiculously good it was just the dynamics of it how right. it actually translated dynamics and you know when it, when you play like a note or a chord Ugh. you can feel the speaker actually moving with one of those pedals um so uh 
then I basically went on a quest to, uh, firstly, I was thinking I need to make this one sound like that one because that one's like, you know, it's worth about 700 quid. Yeah. I don't got 700 quid and if I, <laughs> you know, to spend on the pedal, if I do, my wife's going to absolutely kill me. Don't tell her. But then <laughs> I was on eBay and I found this. Now, th this is basically a reissue. Somebody had kind of like aged it up. Okay. Okay. Reissue. But it was broken. It was listed as broken. Uh, got it for forty quid, mm. and um, because it was broken, um, I decided to open it up and restore it. So I restored it to eighty-one spec. Changed out the clipping diodes, which are specific to the eighty-one MA one fifties in there. Changed a couple of the um, uh, capacitors, mm. and I also put the uh, Texas Instruments um, version of the uh, 50, 40, 4558 chip. Okay. It's a mouthful <laughs> in there. And this sounds identical to the original. It cost me like 50 quid. So wow, man. Mainstay. So that, yeah, did that. And over the years, I've built like this is a copy of a uh, clone from a kit cool um and then uh my um phase pedal uh did this from a kit from Tom, um from music ding as well phase 90 but it's got three modes on it so i can do block which is the more modern one the script which is the famous you know e evh one and i've got a psych mode on there which kind of just goes into this crazy oscillation Shit. which is really really awesome um the fetaplex pedal uh, i love this one this is basically a preamp from the front end of uh, an echoplex wow. so you know back in the day like jimmy page and uh, van halen stuff like that what they used to do is plug into the echoplex maybe not use the the delay but there was a preamp in there so they used to turn the level up All and right. it used to boost the amp it's kind of like having a boost pedal so but that had this pushes certain frequencies so it shapes the tone in a specific way so uh -huh. you know that's a really cool pedal so yeah the pe pedals i love building they kind of you know every few months it'll be like well, what should i build now but yeah i, I guess yeah. it's just part of everything i do you know it's i love building stuff i love being surrounded by stuff yeah i'm using which um i have built and literally kind of if i think about it now the um the amp i use most of the time at the moment is uh, called the purple number 39 it's a uh, started life as jet city jca 22 head um and that's when i hooked up with bryce from epic amps because he does these kits where you can actually uh change you can modify the amps basically so modified that into basically um the uh Purple Plexi, the Aspen Pittman Purple Plexi, which was very famous back in the day. All of the big stars used to kind of, you know, clamber over each other to, to rent that amp, um, including George, hence the connection. Um, and also the Sir number 39 amp, which is the famous one from Studio Instrument Rentals in Los Angeles. The 39 was basically a modified, um, I think it was a tremolo head or a bass head. Uh, a Marshall Plexi um, bass head or, or a tremolo head. And um, it had been um, fettled with uh, by Tim Caswell, I think, or um, was it the other guy? It was, it was him or somebody else. And they basically added uh, um, uh, an additional gain stage so that it was super high gain. And <laughs> this was the amplifier that you actually hear on like uh, records like um, Back for the Attack and under lock probably and stuff like that you know it was rented by all of the big guys they were again it was one of those 
coveted amps. Okay. So it became a combination of those two. Um, so I use that, which is an amp that I've basically built. I, I plug in pedals, which I've basically built as well to boost it and stuff. So um, it's, yeah, when I think about it like that, it's pretty special, you know, using gear and probably a guitar, which I've actually fettled with as well. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> it's yeah, good, it's pretty special. I think it's good. The pedals, like, that's cool because pedals are another... It's just another thing from guitars, you know, it's a whole different story. There's just, you know, you have your guitar yeah. and then you pedal and you can do whatever you want. With I love, I'm really into like psychedelic pedals that I can just get mad fucking sounds out of oh, and stuff cool. like that. Like, yes. There's yeah. a real cool pedal I have called, uh, Electro Harmonics make, it's called the Cathedral. I don't think they make it anymore. I'm oh, not yeah, sure, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I know about that, that pedal. I've, I have seen it. It's that bad boy. Oh wow! Wow! It's a beautiful. Oh god! It's full of it's full full of full of cat hairs. Sorry, but you can like you can. Right. It's got a reverse thing on it, so you can reverse the sound and you can hold that and it'll just stay infinite. So you oh, can wow. get droney kind cool. of stuff out of it. It's really it's really cool. Right. I'm not sure do they still make it, but um, yeah, I always thought it was kind of cool. I like uh, anything kind of that I can just get some psychedelic stuff out of that you can kind of. Oh, definitely. You know, you would love the psych mode on yeah, this. Yeah. Video clip of that. It's it's like insane. Basically, oh, what I'd done was kind of like because I'd put the switch on there to switch it between like the block and the script. Um, I had a three-way switch on um, on on the switch. That's the only switch I had. So I was like, "What should I put in the last one?" And I was like, <laughs> "Random value capacitor." Oh, sorry, um, resistor. I was like, oh, "Whatever." I'll just put this value resistor in there. I think it was like a ten k or something, and the others were um, a higher resistance or something. Right, and um, I basically, I plugged it in and put it on that, and it just started to go crazy. It was kind of like this oscillation thing. I was like, "Holy crap! That that wasn't supposed to happen, but that sounds awesome." That's cool, so, man. It's kind of created something so unique. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's got the psych mode on it. <laughs> is that the only one of them pedals? Have you built a few of those, or is there? Is that the no, only it's one? it's literally there's there's one of them, and kind of you know it it was just something which I wanted to do last year when I. You know, I was getting back into playing Van Halen and stuff, right? Like a lot of people at the time, because um, you know Eddie passed away and stuff. So so mad, isn't um, it, Eddie Van Halen? It was, yeah. It was. Uh, it was one of those things where um, you know I I was a Van Halen fan back in the day, right? I, I think I caught onto Van Halen a little bit later because I was so kind of into um, George's playing, you know, in the late eighties, early nineties that I uh, was kind of like, you know, tunnel visioned for a while. We okay. were kind of learning that stuff. But then I kind of picked up on Van Halen stuff, I think mid like nineties. And, you know, uh, obviously they released, um, for unlawful carnal knowledge. So that was being played on, um, you know, MTV and stuff like that. MTV. Oh God. Back in the day. What's MTV? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> sure. What? <laughs> you mean YouTube, right? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know um i used to see those songs and then i started you know going through the back catalog and stuff of uh van halen and uh so i was into him but i hadn't really thought about it or played too much over the years and then last year you know it just caught the bug again and it's been so much fun to do yeah the, they were just such a party band you know yeah awesome. they're essentially writing pop songs i don't i don't mean that in, yes. in derogatory they're pop songs like they are catchy yes. as fuck you know like definitely yeah 
And going back to the uh, music industry thing, which we were talking about uh, earlier, um, there are some really, really awesome videos which Sunset Sound have done with um, people who were working um, with the band at the time. And uh, they uh, uh, they had one with them. Um, I don't think it was the Peggy McCleary one, but um, uh, there was somebody else they had on and he, they, they were talking about um, why they were, they were cover versions on the Van Halen albums. And it was because the record company wanted something that they could sell as a single. Right. You know, so on the first album, you really got me, um, you know, uh, then you have like a pretty woman and um, stuff like that going along the way. And also dance the night away, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, uh, and they basically did their versions because they were marketable. Uh, um, interesting thing is like, you know, it does get to a point in in time in history where you know, somebody will hear it and they'll be like, "That is such an awesome Van Halen song," you know. That's it. That that yeah. that always happens, though, doesn't it? It's like, "Hey, that Van Halen song!" Like, yeah. you know, but they're good covers. Like, I mean, he did. Um, oh God, what was the cover? Did a California girl? Well, Van Halen didn't, but um, oh, that was David Lee David Roth, Lee Roth right? did California Girls. Yeah. Wasn't the worst yeah. version ever. I mean. Well, it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Yeah. I mean, not as bad as David Bowie's "God Only Knows" version of the Beach Boys. That is right. possibly one of the worst covers of an artist I adore. <laughs> <laughs> I must admit that the kind of the the cover that got me pretty cringing recently was um, there Bon was Jovi. A, a, it wasn't actually. Um, it was. Um, I don't know who's done the cover, but it was on a car advert, and um, it was this really really kind of very soft version of um born to be wild oh no and it was just like no you, you, you cannot do that to no, that song. man you know what there's <laughs> nothing worse when those ads have these songs and they'll change the words to suit their company i'm like oh, oh shut the fuck i remember there was a beach boy song out years ago and it was it was like surfing you it was surfing the butter crane way like it was a shopping centre in Northern Ireland and every time I hear surfing you say that all I hear is the butter crane way instead of you right. I'm like oh, you've ruined that song for me not, like not that I'm into the, their surf stuff as much but it was, I can never not hear that and not think that you know it's like don't do Absolutely. that don't do that man you know <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> Either leave that crap alone, or if you're going to do it, do a really badass version of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, do a badass version. Right. So that you know, people kind of like sit up and like, wow, that that's pretty cool. <clears throat> if you if you want to hear the if you want to hear the worst cover of any song, and I swear to God, this is it. It's Bon Jovi. Back to lovely Bon Jovi. Did Fairy Tale in New York just before Christmas? He cha oh, wow. he changes right. the lyrics as well, and and you're like, dude. Dude, you you can't be doing that now. You can't be doing that, Bon Jovi. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, is this real? You know, like, like is this real? I have a funny story, a Bon Jovi story, actually. Well, not not to do with Bon Jovi themselves, but um, a couple of years ago, I went to New York. My, my sister used to live in New York. She lives in um, she moved to um uh Mumbai in India now mm. uh, for for a while. So she's living there now. But um, when she was in um, New York, and she'd been there for. Uh, 10 years. So mm. I was just visiting and basically going seeing some friends and stuff. So um, uh, we, we were going on this boat trip to uh, kind of like the Staten Island boat trip or something. It was kind of, it basically just goes and we just went there and came back and stuff. Yeah. So 
as we're going, she's pointing out various things, and she said, um, uh, they're, they're the New Jersey docks. And I, I said, oh, I know about them. Tommy used to work on the docks. Right. <laughs> so I'm just saying this like kind of you know, yeah, just yeah. a story. Yeah. I'm just kind of looking at me. Eventually she looks at me like, what are you going on about? <laughs> and then, then, then the penny drops. She's like, you're, you're singing a song, aren't you? <laughs> That's cool, man. <laughs> did, did you um did you grow up in india or did you grow up in in england no in in the uk uh, i was born in the uk and yeah um grew up here uh india is a cool place though it's um i've been there a couple oh, times man, i'd and, love um, to go yeah it's it's a very it, it's a very unique place there's a kind of you know um uh, a different vibe to it and you know it's a it's something which you experience when you're there you know there's a, a different pace of life depending on where you are as well you know mm -hmm. Goa's fantastic down in the south you know right um Gujarat as well which is in the northwest and you know uh Mumbai a little bit and stuff I'd love I've, I would love to go and explore you know yeah. a little bit more decent places that'd so, be cool if the you... music scene fantastic there the the rock scene there it has been booming for for the last um about 10 years now you know really? i mean um, a lot of indian rock bands which have been kind of you know doing their thing yeah there's so, but there's yeah. so much like there's so much like great um music that we don't get that doesn't get enough publicity over here like even in indian music and nigerian music and toga yes. music like there's like some of that guitar work from nigerian stuff like like those fela kuti records like there's some of that guitar oh, work in that's class they're just that hip, oh, God, hypnotic yeah. kind of vibe i love that shit man i just love uh, it's like uh yeah you're kind of uh not you're tripping to it but it's hypnotic you know it's like this kind of everything's yes. building and building and building and building and you can feel the vibe from it when they're playing yeah definitely yeah and it's a really good point you you touched on because I kind of I've, I've noticed that over the years as well that you know um there there are only certain types of music and artists which are promoted in the mainstream and even on i'd i'd even go to, as far as to say on youtube you know there are oh, yeah. certain people who get very very big and then you know everybody else gets an audience but not to that level and that exposure isn't kind of like it's still very kind of there still seems to be this very conservative <laughs> um, approach and outlook you know to what people listen to and who they listen to and stuff and it's it's for me it's like really weird because it's like wait up a second this is music we're supposed to be open to everything right yeah it's supposed to be really really open-minded and stuff but but i i think i know. think it's actually because people don't get sh a chance to sh sorry don't get a chance to be shown it. I remember waiting in a wait, yeah. waiting room in a few years ago, whenever Coldplay's last album was out, and the guy on the radio, <coughs> excuse me, the guy on the radio literally said, we're going to play this until they keep liking it. I was like, huh? He played it like three times in the space of an hour. I'm like, dude, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> you know, like, just weird. Yeah. Like, nothing against Coldplay. I like some of their songs. I think yeah. Viva La Vida is a great record. But I mean, you know, you don't have to play the same fucking 12 songs all day. You know, like, if you played something from Fela Kuti, people th that never hear it would go, well, that's cool. You know, they, yes. I think they, they think their listeners only like one form of music and that's it, or a few. But they'd be surprised. I think it reflects the people who are actually um, uh, doing the programming and pushing the stuff True. in marketing. True. They're basically pushing what they want 
uh, want to hear and also what they want to be popular. Yeah. And yeah. often that is not music, which is maybe outside of their wheelhouse, you know, it's because they, again, they're list, looking at it from a point of view of what are we going to sell more? You know, whose face is actually going to uh, lead to kind of people yeah. clicking on that buy button? Yeah. You know, well, it was who's like, going to actually purchase it? it so. it's, it's like the Trump <laughs> thing, you know, all those, all those uh, news stations hated him, but they were making so much money off his exposure. Like they've dropped, they've, their, their revenue, I think, has dropped now that Trump's not president because no one's watching <laughs> the news to see what fucked up shit he says. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's like, damn it, that cash cow's gone now. What the hell, man? <laughs> Make America great again. You know, but hey, it is what it is. Hey, man, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. I actually got to go because my cat, uh, there's, a, there's a stray cat I, I he, who comes around here and um, he, uh, I won't bore you too much with the conversation, but he, he comes oh, around, right, no. he comes around, he's, we have a little box outside from him and, and he, uh, uh -huh. he was in the box a, a few, for a few hours yesterday and I'm like, is he okay? And he, he, you can't go near this cat. He's called Mulder off, I call him Mulder of Mulder the, oh, okay. the X-Files. And you, yeah, yeah, you can't go near the guy. But he was so sick, you know, I could rub him and everything. Oh. And so, so we brought him to the vet yesterday and uh, yeah. I have to, so much ring back after a while. So I have to see his update and I, I'm worried he's, they're going to say to put him down, so that's kind of freaking me oh. out a bit, but I hope not. Hopefully. Hopefully. Cats are lovely. Yeah, man, with loads of cats. So. I, have another cat called, cats. I have another cat called Stalin who looks like Stalin. He's a mustache. Oh, he looks, really? I mean, he looks exactly like Stalin. Like, I mean, Fantastic. you hear me out, outside going, Stalin, Stalin. Sound like some crazy fucking communist, but no, no, no. He's cool. He's cool. Yeah, cats are. We used to have two cats we adopted from um, Cats Protection. I'll very, very quickly tell you this. Okay. And um, when we adopted them, uh, uh, one was, uh, the tabby was called um, uh, Samson. And the, uh, the other one was uh, called um, uh, Kruger. <laughs> so, Freddy Kruger. <laughs> that, that's exactly or what Chad I said. Kruger. <laughs> <laughs> From Nickelback. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, Nickelback today. No, I'm kidding. They're another band which made it big because they wrote pop songs. Uh, but, anyways, yeah, it was kind of like I said to my wife, it'd be cool if we changed Sammy's name to Freddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Just, I just call it one thing, Freddy Krueger. Just his actual name, yeah. Freddy Krueger, man. Yeah. What's his name, Freddy Krueger? That fucker, yeah. <laughs> Freddy Krueger scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, man. I couldn't put my fucking feet out of my. I found these teddies I had a few ages ago, and uh, I'll actually show you because he's here. And uh, I was, I was, uh, oh sorry, I was tidying out my little studio, so I found all these these teddies, and I used to put teddies at the end of my bed so Freddy Krueger couldn't get me. And one of them woke oh, up wow. in the morning. He had a little, I he I don't know. Can you see that? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I and I put that, a plaster yeah. on him when I was. <laughs> but I, I found I found him recently, and I was like, oh man, saved me, <laughs> saved me from Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and he was mad. I I really enjoyed this conversation. It was great. We must do it again me sometime. Uh, tell everyone yeah, who's listening how they can find out about you, Instagram, Thanks. all that jazz, yeah. your site. I'm on um, Instagram and uh, YouTube. I do a lot of YouTube stuff to just put in Jay Palmer. Palmer is spelled uh, P-A-R-M-A-R. -A -A and my website as well, which is jayparmer.com. That's J-A-Y-P-A-R-M-A-R.com. And um, all the links are there to various things I do. My guitars, my spirit dance guitars, spiritdanceguitars.com and teaching and all sorts of stuff. I'm on social media as well. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Next month. <laughs> all right, man. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks so much for this, Thank brother. You. I really enjoyed it, man. Me too, man. We'll do it again soon. We will indeed. Fantastic. 
Have a good day, brother. Right, take it easy. Bye bye. Thank you. See you later. Bye bye.